0: Here in Psalm 66, we have a psalm of worship uh, that, that involves the believer's worship to God, uh, worship about God to others. And what it shows us here is that the heart that truly desires to praise God, the heart that truly desires to worship God always wants company. Uh, in other words, if you, whenever you find yourself desiring to praise God, Uh, desiring that God would be praised. You desire that other people would join you in praising Him together, Uh, that they would join you and that you both would praise Him together. And that's why the psalmist summons us. Look at it here in verse 5. He says, come and see the works of God. Uh, In fact, he calls everyone. Look at verse verse 8 here. Oh, bless our God, uh, ye people, and make the voice of His praise be heard. And like the psalmist here, the witness of Christians ought to be aimed ultimately at drawing others into worship of the same God that we praise and worship uh, because of His saving uh, power, His saving deeds in Jesus Christ. Now, according to the Bible, the chief problem of mankind is that mankind just doesn't want to do that, right? Our, our, Our own nature... Uh, in our own nature, we don't want to do that very thing. We don't want to praise God. We don't want to worship God. We don't desire that. And this is at the, the very heart of the sinful state uh, of mankind. So even though Romans 1 tells us that uh, you know, God has revealed himself in creation uh, so that all are without excuse. Man still, despite that revelation that God gives him in creation, man still rebels against God. Uh, man still uh, refuses to recognize and, and thank God for, for who he is and what he's done. Instead, they choose to make gods to their own liking, uh, to, fit, to serve their own purposes. And since, that, and since mankind rejects that revelation that God has given him, Uh, in creation, the Lord has for that reason commissioned His people, we who are His children, He's commissioned us to summon the world to Him by proclaiming His Word. And that's what we see in Psalm 66, the proclamation of God's Word to summon the world to praise to our God. Now, the psalmist gives us some reasons why we should do that. Why should we uh, worship God universally. Why should we draw people into this universal worship? Now this opening stanza here in verses one through four, therefore, makes some important points about the worship that all men, all people should give to God. And first of all, uh, it involves this that worship, and this is so this is so counterintuitive to us uh, that worship should be prompted, By an awareness of God's terrifying power. In other words, we should worship God, number one, because of fear. Because of fear. Verse 3. Look at verse 3 here. Say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works. Now, other versions might use the word awesome. How awesome you are. We would like to throw that word awesome out, right? Awesome. It's awesome. It's cool. Uh, but that's not the word it uses here. I think the King James uses it correctly. Uh, it, 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 it's, that's not what the psalmist means. He means terrible or terrifying. And that kind of goes across, the, that emphasis kind of goes across the grain uh, of many Christians who kind of hesitate to present God as an object of fear and of dread. I mean, think of all the natu- nat- natural disasters we've had lately. Uh, we've had... Uh, Uh, earthquakes and tsunamis and cyclones or hurricanes here. Uh, Even in our own country of Australia, we've had severe drought, we've had fires, Uh, we've had, uh, after that, we've had severe rain, uh, torrential rain, and floods, fire and flood. And many people suffer because of these things. They're terrible things. And so many Christians will want to uh, deny or even downplay uh, any, any involvement by God in, in these such things. Well, don't, you know, don't think God's involved. He's only the uh, sovereign ruler of the, all the heavens and earth, right? But the, the Bible does not downplay God's involvement in these things. Uh, it doesn't downplay God's sovereignty, but the Bible takes exactly the opposite approach. Uh, it not only admits God's involvement, but it declares God's total, total sovereignty over all these terrible events as a reason why everyone on this earth should end their rebellion against Him, should fear Him, and should bow their knees. They should bow down to this terrible, awesome God. And you know, you don't see that a lot anymore, do you? People don't fear God. People say, people sin blatantly. People say all sorts of blasphemous things about God, and they just go on laughing. Well, they won't forever. They won't forever. And secondly, by noting the enemies of of God who don't fear Him, who should fear Him, because they ultimately will, won't they? they ultimately will, the psalmist draws a comparison between the two, between them and between those who know God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. John Calvin says this. He says, there is an implied contrast drawn between the voluntary homage which God's people yield as attracted by the sweet influences of grace and that slavish obedience which will be wrung reluctantly From the unbeliever you see there are some people who don't know God and all they know is that God must be angry something's wrong God must be angry and that's all the relationship they have with God but there are others like hopefully like you and me there are others who have learned about God's mercy And God's grace and salvation. We've learned of God's goodness. And our desire as Christians, our desire is above that. Our desire is that God should be praised not only in fear, but in joy. But in joy. Look at verse 1 again. Uh, Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. So we, we serve and we praise God in fear. We serve and we praise God in joy. And that's also what we see in verse 2. Sing forth the honor of his name, make his praise glorious. And so that points out that the purpose of our worship should be that God's name should be glorified in all the earth. I mean, that's the purpose that we're gathered for here today, isn't it? Not necessarily to evangelize the lost not for our own edification, in other words, what we can get out of it. Uh, Sure, if it's true worship, uh, those things will happen, right? Uh, The lost will be saved, uh, there will be evangelism, and, uh, and, and we will be edified if that's true worship. But that's not the reason we're here. That's not the reason we gather together on Sundays, because we're not here for us. When we gather together, we're here for Him that He might be magnified. You know, all those other things, they're they're great byproducts of worship, but that's not the primary goal. Uh, Our goal is that God would be declared, God would be glorified in all His splendor and majesty. That's the purpose of our worship. Now, notice the psalmist urges that not only should worship glorify God, but the But because of its subject and because of its content, the manner in which we worship should glorify God as well. In other words, worship itself should be glorious. He says this, Sing forth the honor of His name, make His praise glorious. So the manner of our worship should be in keeping with the glory of Him whom we are worshiping. Now, doesn't that exhortation kind of rebuke a lot of the casual worship that happens today, right? The 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 key goal of which is to really just um, uh, uh, to fulfill our own f- uh, pleasures and 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 wants instead of rather than display the beauty and the truth and the holiness and the goodness of God. One author puts it this way, the manner in which he is praised ought to correspond to the matter for which he is being praised. Since we worship a God of glory, shouldn't our, glory, uh, shouldn't our worship be glorious? And secondly, the psalmist urges musical worship. we just got, got just a couple of minutes. Musical worship as ideal in glorifying God's name. Verse 2, sing forth the honor of his name. And then verse 4, all the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing unto thy name. The word for sing here involves not only vocal music, but but really all sorts of instruments. And there are all sorts of instruments listed in the Psalms. Uh, so I think this verse is a challenge. This, is a, this verse is a challenge to our song leaders. This, is a, a, this verse is a challenge to our leaders. Our, uh, Musicians, this is a challenge to people in the pew, that we provide music uh, that is excellent. We strive for musical excellence because we are singing as unto the Lord. And all of this constitutes the psalmist's universal call to worship. And think about this. Think about our worship. You know, our worship uh, when we gather together on, on, on Sundays, on Wednesdays, whatever, the worship we give to God itself is a witness to a, to a lost and dying world, isn't it? The manner in which we worship. You know, think about this. Worship that, uh, uh, that, that kind of uh, tickles men's ears and kind of uh, works toward our own likes and preferences, what kind of God does that demonstrate to the world? A God that's inconsequential, right? A God who must desperately want our approval rather than the other way around. So our worship is also a witness to the world. So we have the witness of our worship, but also we have the witness of our word. And the psalmist gives that. Let's see if I can find it here. I'm skipping a lot. Let's see. Okay, uh, verses 16 and 17, "Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what He hath done for my soul." So not only do we have the, the witness of our worship, but we have the witness of our word. We as Christians have, should have always delighted, should always be delighted in telling others what God has done for us the blessing that it's been to receive His mercy and His grace, His forgiveness and His goodness towards us. It's always good to give a word of testimony. It's always good to share the word with others in our witness. So all of this constitutes a universal call to worship. Our desire as as believers is to draw others into worship uh, with us. So we see in this expression, our God, we see the goal of our evangelism, that others would come to see what God has done, especially through Jesus Christ. And then together, they might join us in in saying, you know what, about Him, that is our God, our God. And then they with us will humbly be able to tell others what God has done for their soul.